0: First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. The Lord is indeed worthy of receiving this praise. For heaven, the earth, and the entire universe came to be through his might and wisdom. Time Space and all that exists belong to him, and in his grace we have power and authority for him. The mind of man cannot begin to comprehend this incomprehensible God who has bestowed on us all the unsearchable riches of his grace. What a mighty God we serve. Let's stand this morning.
1: Strength and power yours alone now and
0: Texas, and uh, this tournament is a regional tournament that allows for early qualification for nationals, and it includes teams from all across the South Central U.S., including Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Colorado. And Because this is a tournament that allows for qualification for nationals, the competition level was very high. The kids competing have spent countless hours in study and practice day after day, hoping to win a spot at Nationals, as has our team. And our hard work and studying has paid off. Grace placed first, undefeated, thus qualifying for Nationals in July. As a former quizzer, I can tell you this is a very difficult task to accomplish, and they did it with grace and maturity. They did very, very well. Normally, uh, we do talk about individual scoring awards, but this time I want to note that Noah and Joseph didn't place on the all tournament team. Why? Because they won every game so early on, and after having the game won, they made the decision to not hit and allow the other team to score points. Now, their coach (laughs) told them they should hit, and they said, No, we want to give them an opportunity to get points. It's a very selfless and mature decision on their parts, and it affected their personal scores, but they're learning and they're growing, and I'm very, very proud of them for that. We're all very proud of these guys, and I just want to say thank you so much for your continued support of quizzing.
2: Let's give that hand, clap of praise to the Lord this morning. Praise God is good, and it is good to see young men who love and are saturating their minds and hearts with the Word of God. It's going to pay dividends in their lives for the, for the rest of their lives, and it enhances our church. Amen? Praise the Lord. It is so good to see all of you here this morning. We appreciate your attendance and your interest in God. We're glad that you are here. We're glad if you're joining us from live stream. This morning, we would like to remind you that if you're, if you're able to give, uh, we appreciate your generosity. You're able to give online through our app are out in our lobby. We appreciate that very much. I have a few things to go over this morning. Monday, March 22nd at 7.14 p.m., United Family Prayer Time at home. This has become a regular fixture of our church, and I hope that you incorporate that into your family life. Tuesday, March 23rd, we will have Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary as we normally do at 10 a.m. Saturday, March 27th, we will have men's prayer in the A Center at 9 a.m., which is normally very well attended. And on Sunday, March 28th, I'm, very look, I'm looking forward to this a great deal. We have Communion Sunday. Praise the Lord. Before we uh, turn the service back over, there's, there's an interaction in the Bible that I just can't get out of my mind this morning. I spoke about it in our, in our adult class, in our doctrine class. It is the longest recorded conversation in the New Testament. And it's not between Jesus and one of his disciples. It's not between Jesus and one of the high priests. The conversation is between Jesus and a marginalized sinful woman and a marginalized, discounted group of people. I'm talking about the Samaritan woman at the, at the well of Jacob. I believe, I feel in my heart that there's somebody here that believes that you are not significant enough to garner the attention of God. But let me tell you something. There is a Samaritan woman in antiquity that would that would argue that because she's a person that God poured his truth into. So that when she left that place, whether she was marginalized or insignificant by society, she knew that she was loved by God. I don't care what your past is this morning. I don't know what you're coming from or what you're dealing with. But we serve a God that loves you, loves you to the point of hanging on a cross to redeem you from your sin. Can we lift our voices and praise Him this morning? Can that truth transform the way we interact in our worship service today? God bless you this morning.
3: Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. You may be seated for a moment. Glad to see everybody here. Thank you for coming. All of our guests here today, welcome. We're glad to see you. Grace Church, as always, we're glad to see you in service with us on Sunday morning. And uh, those of you on live stream, Facebook Live, thank you joining us today as well Uh, so many have said in the recent past especially that they're so thankful for our live stream Facebook live is such an encouragement such a blessing and uh, you are a blessing to us uh, when you watch Grace Church every Sunday and we're very thankful for you Uh, I want to take just a moment uh, this morning uh, we want to express our Condolences. Uh, Willie Brown's mother, Annie, passed away, and uh, her service will be March the twenty-seventh at eleven. If any of you think of it, if you could just shoot them a text message saying we're praying and, and what have you. We're we're in challenging times, as we all know. And when you lose a loved one, it's very hard. It doesn't matter who they are, how old they are, and and the circumstances behind their death. It hurts. Um, and it hurts deeply and we want the Browns to know we're praying for them and uh, also Dean Dyke's sister Jeannie Sue uh, has been moved to the ICU this morning and uh, we want to pray for Sister Dean's sister if you'll remember that those two needs in prayer I'm very happy to announce uh, just a couple of things uh, pertaining to this weekend Uh, I'm happy to report At district conference uh, Thursday night we learned that uh, Grace Church was in the top three in giving and she's for Christ Christmas for Christ and Mother's Memorial and that's in the state so we're very thankful and uh, we appreciate all of you so very much for your giving and uh, we're very thankful and blessed to be able to give to such quality fundraisers uh, because it helps people's lives around our country and literally around the world. So we're very thankful for that. So give yourself some appreciation today if you would, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. So very thankful for that. And uh, now back to the quizzing thing, the extravaganza this past couple of days, Um, I want to say first of all, Nathan and Courtney have done tremendous, tremendous with our quizzers. And we're very thankful for them. They've been very devoted, very committed. They've done a lot of homework, a lot of study. Uh, when they, As soon as they know the teams we're playing, they start doing research on, you know, the kids and how they score and what have you. And I really appreciate Nathan and Courtney taking this on and um, just being so very committed, so very kind to our quizzers. They've done a tremendous, tremendous job. Let's give it up for Nathan and Courtney. Today. They're doing a great job. Thank you now I'm thankful for our quizzers but as most of you know about 99.99% of you know there is a little ulterior motive going on here now a lot of people try to ignore all that and I try to be very fair and I think all of you know that but in this particular case when it's your two grandsons it's kind of hard to uh not get up and brag just a little bit right I want to applaud their parents, Casey and Chris, along with their sweet grandmother, Annie, who spends untold hours with them, quoting every day, every day, every day. I think they get off on Sunday. Is that right, y'all get the day off on Sunday? But otherwise, six days a week, probably a minimum of an hour a day. They quote, they quote, they quote, they quote, they quote. quote. And uh, I wanna say in all due respect, as, as Courtney said, uh, there were some amazing teams at uh, the extravaganza this weekend from, I think, the five states that she mentioned, uh, The kind of the cream of the crop teams. I'm gonna be very kind as I can, but um, Noah and Joseph just plowed through all of them. It just, I don't know how else to say it. it, 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 it the vast majority, thank you. <laughs> I would say uh, I don't remember exactly how many games they played I think it was eight or nine quizzes uh, they played again there were 39 teams there but uh, they weren't that nice uh, as as Courtney said she wanted them to keep hitting and hitting but I mean when you're you, you, you're scores and scores of points ahead uh, there's after a while you just back off and, and just be merciful it's kind of like in football, you have the, the score 63 to nothing and you have the ball on the two-yard line and it's the end of the fourth quarter, why score another one? And uh, so <clears throat> I want to applaud them for their kindness and what have you, but they did. They, um, one team said uh, that they had beat. They said, uh, if we play y'all again, we'll beat y'all next time. I told that to Joseph and Joseph just said, okay and turned around and walked away kind of with that attitude of good luck. Uh, you have your work cut out for you. But they've been very humble. They uh, did not let it go to their head, but uh, they, they were just masterful in, in watching them. I was truly, truly amazed at their skill and their ability to do what they did. I think Joseph quizzed out. Uh, that means you answer so many quiz. I think it's six questions, and they take you out of the game. You can't answer any more questions. Uh, he did that i think six times in the tournament Uh, and i don't know how many teams go undefeated in an extravaganza i don't know how often that happens i have a feeling it's not very often because you just have cream of the crop teams that are there and uh so to go that many games against that many teams undefeated one more thing uh, you can qualify to go to nationals at the extravaganza, as courtney said grace church was the only team from louisiana that qualified uh, in the junior division all the other teams all the other teams that want to go to nationals is going to have to wait to the state tournament which we're hosting in june to be able to qualify uh, to get their shot to go to nationals so we're very proud of our team very proud of our boys One more comment and then we'll we'll hush about this. I was absolutely amazed and impressed at how many boys that were quizzing at this tournament. You'd think mostly it would be girls and you know, that kind of thing. But uh, there were several teams, it was all boys. I mean, four or five boys, it just just flooded with boys. And I was thankful to see that, that uh, our young men are having such an interest in the word of God. And uh, thankful for parents, for coaches, for all the quizzing staff that's willing to spend the time for all of these teams to go. And we're proud that our team won, but in my opinion, everybody won. You don't take in that much Bible and lose. You just don't. And uh, they all won. They were all winners. They were all tremendous, all great attitude. It was all very well done. And I applaud all of the folks that had anything to do with that. I applaud them sincerely this morning. One more time, let's give our quizzers and our staff some appreciation. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. If you'll stand again, uh, it's my honor to bring to the pulpit our wonderful assistant pastor, Brother Dave Bunch, a great man, great man of God, loves God, loves his church, loves the kingdom of God, and now uh, let's give him some appreciation this morning as he comes to preach.
4: Well, praise the Lord, Grace Church. How is everybody this morning? It is good to see you, good to be here. I just want us to take one more, one more moment and worship the Lord before we turn to the Word of God. And it occurred to me in prayer this morning that the, the Scriptures tell us that the angels stand in the presence of God and worship. That's what they do throughout all eternity. They just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The Psalms tell us that creation, though it doesn't have a voice mutely testifies to the glory of God have you noticed how amazing the azaleas have been this this week this spring amazing I'm just I'm amazed at those and and that is a mute witness to the glory and grandeur of God but you and I have a song to sing we have a praise to give we have a worship to offer that angels can't give creation can't give look at your neighbor tell them you're no angel I'm not an azalea, if I, uh, you'd lock me up as as loco. But we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says these are they that have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. And that gives us a praise that nothing else can give, no other eternal being can give, but the blood-bought children of God. Oh, if you're here and the blood has been applied to your life, and you're walking free, and you're walking holy, would you just let a shout of praise rise up in this house today? Thank you, Jesus. I am they that have made their robes white and the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I do give honor to Pastor and Sister Murphy. Their leadership, their pastor's heart is so valued. It's so appreciated. They love our church, and they love you. And I am thankful for their leadership. Let's hasten to the word of God today. Let's hasten to the word of God today. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. I feel convicted today. Looking back this morning, I feel like we should have read the entire chapter. Paul writing to the Ephesians about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The victor, the the one who has all power. And perhaps we should have slowed down today and read it. But I tell you what, I read the whole chapter. But I tell you what, if you'll promise to read through it this week in your personal prayer time and devotion, read Ephesians 1 about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We're just going to read the concluding statements, uh, verses 22 and 23, Paul writing, talking about Jesus Christ. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him, again, that is Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. So, so he has all things under his feet and has been given a, a position of supremacy to the church, to you and me. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. Amen. That's your Jesus I'm reading about. That's my Jesus. I'm reading about all things under his feet is our subject today. Look at your neighbor and say, all things under his feet. And you may be seated today. Thank you for standing. Now we are several generations and our American sensibilities removed from the disastrous and nearly catastrophic actions and events that occurred in England in 1940 and 1941. For Londoners in particular, World War II really started in May of 1940, and that coincided with the rise of Winston Churchill as prime minister. By this time, Hitler had run virtually unchecked Across Europe, and the fall of France was imminent. Churchill knew that. And with the overthrow of France, then Hitler would only have the tiny island, the tiny island of Great Britain to conquer, and all of Europe would be his. And that would allow him then to set his devilish sights on continents further west, namely the United States. So confident were the Germans that Great Britain would capitulate that not a few of Hitler's advisors predicted the fall of England within a matter of weeks. To that end, Hitler's plan was to bomb London into submission. And that aerial assault was launched in late summer of 1940, and it lasted until the spring of 1941. It was a span of bombing unlike anything they had ever experienced in London, and it became known... ...as the Blitz. But the Germans hadn't counted on Winston Churchill. Never surrender, never give up Churchill. Now, it is difficult to imagine what the citizens of London experienced... ...for nearly a year as the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force... ...mercilessly mercilessly bombed the city night and day or I'm sorry, night after night, thousands, thousands of tons of bombs were dropped every night. And they would, they would drop incendiary bombs intentionally on gas lines to cause explosions, to create mayhem, but also to light the way for other bombers to come behind and bomb even more. These were in the days when radar was only just being pioneered and the fires lit the way for more bombing. They say that entire neighborhoods would be obliterated in a single night. Air raid sirens, fires, bombs, death, and mayhem created a kind of hell on earth every night for almost a year for Londoners. Some would run to air raid shelters. Others thought their chances were better collapsing with a building than having a building collapse on top of them. And over time, Churchill's challenge became to keep the morale of the people, the citizens, up as it was chipped away night after night, incendiary bomb by incendiary bomb. Now we know the story from history. England hung in there, the United States joined the war in late 1941, and the tide was turned and victory for democracy was ultimately achieved. But in England, from 1940 to 1941, that victory was far from guaranteed, Churchill could not convince Roosevelt to join the war. And England had to make its stand against the enemy of democracy all by itself. And for many, during that time, the hopes of defeating Hitler and liberating Europe came to be personified in that one man, Winston Churchill. It was Churchill whose dogged determination, unfaltering confidence in his cause and strength of leadership that kept the enemy at bay and kept his people in the fight. And this is what I want you to understand. When victory finally came in Europe over four years later, the celebration of those people in London can hardly be imagined. On, on, on Victory in Europe Day, V-E Day, uh, when when earlier that morning Churchill had gone on the radio and declared... That the Nazis had surrendered, full surrender. Crowds began gathering at Whitehall, which is the seat of government in England. And they, they gathered by the thousands, the thousands, the tens of thousands into the space in front of Whitehall. And they began to call for Churchill to come out and on the balcony and be recognized. And they wanted to cheer him and 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 let him know of their appreciation. I want you to understand these were people that had been oppressed. They had been attacked. They had been bombarded, threatened, victimized. They had lived for almost a year with day in and day out fear, fear of invasion, fear uh, of more bombs, fear that their neighborhood would be next, confining themselves to air raid shelters and the ubiquitous sound of emergency sirens, sirens. But on that day, on VE Day, they woke up and realized and heard for the first time that they were living in a world free of war. They were living in a world in which they were free. And when Churchill came out on that balcony and he gave that famous victory sign, crowds of thousands upon thousands erupted into a euphoric day and moment of celebration. And with the modern technology we have today, just a, a quick, brief Uh, listen at a BBC radio broadcast from 1945 of that moment. Media team, if you'll help me, listen to the sound of the crowd.
1: At this moment, how wonderful Mr. Churchill has come out onto the Ministry of Health balcony.
4: That is the sound of victory. I want you to know, again, that is a people who had lived under constant fear, constant threat, constant bombardment for for a long, long time. And on that day, they got the word that they were free. That is what victory sounds like. That's what it sounds like when the enemy is placed under your feet. Amen. I want you to know today, you and I, in like manner, spiritually, have the opportunity in environments such as we are in today to come to the awakening, to come to the realization that in the presence of God, the one who has placed all things under his feet, anything is possible imagine what it's like to wake up one day and realize that today is the day of your miracle today is the day that salvation has come to your house i felt today when we prayed during the praise team I, I was reminded of that scripture where where jesus walks into a house and he says today healing has come to this house i want you to know healing has come to this house today for somebody i feel that in the holy ghost today amen Healing has come to this house. So imagine what it's like to wake up and know today's the day of my miracle because I have a God who has placed all things under His feet. I just read to you from Paul's writings what he had to say about Jesus having all things under His feet. Let me read the verse preceding those uh, from 121 out of the New King James. He says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. That's the power that Jesus has. That's the power of his name. And I've come today to remind you that sometimes our view of our God is too small and our view of our enemy is too great. I want you to understand that your God is powerful. Your God is victorious. And I want you to know your enemy is defeated because God has placed all things under his feet. Your enemy has no claim on your life. Your enemy has no claim on your family. He has been ultimately defeated by Jesus. And every answer you need is here. Every prayer you've prayed is here. Every dream you've dreamed is here because he's placed all things under his feet. Look at your neighbor and say all things. There's nothing that can come against you that Jesus doesn't have power over. Now, Jesus' ministry began, Jesus' ministry began with an assault from Satan himself. This is when Jesus was driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And by the way, that is a bout that Jesus won, a bout with the devil that Jesus won. Jesus' ministry ended. With the ultimate assault from Satan, that was his death upon the cross. And I'm happy to tell you, and I'll explain in just a moment, that Jesus won that round also. Let's consider a moment that ultimate culminating event in Jesus' life, his death on the cross. It was a long road that day up to Golgotha. Jesus had been betrayed by the hands of his enemies ...and unjustly tried and wrongly convicted. A sentence of death by crucifixion had been hastily issued... ...and was now being executed with great haste. Jesus was bloodstained from beating. He struggled to carry His cross due to the weakness in His body... uh, ...as He walked that road to be crucified. But there was great purpose and great determination. And I just kind of imagine today that all of the universe just kind of held its collective breath as it watched Jesus walk up to, the, to Golgotha's hill and lived out a singular moment in time in which the spotless lamb would give his life and take care of the sin problem once and for all. What was going on? Why was Jesus putting himself through such punishment and such sacrifice? The Scripture gives us the answer in Isaiah 53, 5. For He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. I want you to know that takes care of every condition of the human uh, a human could face in our life. Whether it's healing, He took care of it. Whether it's shame, He took care of it. Where it's sin, he took care of it. And most importantly, I feel led to just tell you today, if it's peace you need in your mind, he took care of it. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I wish I had time to just talk about that a little while. But let me tell you, I've been studying about uh, Calvary these last few days. And as as bad and as as terrible as the physical punishment Jesus went through, he went through some stuff in his emotions and his mind as those people ridiculed him and they tried to trample him under their feet and they told him he was nothing and they told him his ministry amounted to nothing. Jesus had to process all of that in his mind and his spirit and he did it so that the voices in your head could be silenced, so that the voice of the enemy in your life could be silent. He did it so that you could have peace of mind. He's not giving us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind and he did it on Calvary. Oh, if you've got something in your life today that you need peace of mind, you need peace of spirit, I'm preaching about a God that's already taking care of that. He knows exactly what it feels like. He knows exactly where you are. And He wants to do that for you today because He's placed all things under His feet. He didn't stop with His death on the cross. We have four eyewitness accounts that say even though he was buried in a borrowed tomb, he rose again victoriously. We'll be celebrating that here in just a couple of Sundays. And with his resurrection, he proved that once and for all, he was the conqueror. He was the victor. With that resurrection from the tomb, he placed all things under his feet, death, hell, and the grave. And I'm happy to tell you today, if that same spirit lives in you, All things are also under your feet. Amen. Oh, yeah. That same spirit lives in you. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. The Israelites were on a sojourn sojourn through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. They had their ups and their downs. They had their good times and their bad times. Doesn't that give you just a little bit of comfort here this morning that, that our ups and our downs are not uh, strange strange to God. He was used to dealing with it. They had their ups and their downs, and at one point they had rebelled significantly, so significantly that God sent serpents, poisonous vipers, into the camp, and their venomous, uh, venomous bite brought agony and death to the children of Israel the people cried out to Moses to intercede with God for mercy to do something about the serpents and God told Moses say Moses I want you to fashion a brass or a brazen serpent and I want you to fashion it upon a brazen or brass pole and I want you to lift it up high into the camp and those that look upon that brazen serpent on that brazen pole will be healed Of the bite of the viper. Why would God choose to do that? Why would He have Moses fashion a serpent for the people to look upon and be healed? Because after all, it was a serpent, the devil himself, who warred against God and tried to defeat the plan of God for humanity by introducing sin to the world. And as that first man and that first woman fell prey to the serpent's sinful suggestion. He must have thought to himself, I've done it. I've defeated God by spiritually disfiguring his perfect creation. But what that serpent didn't realize is that even he was pointing the way to Jesus' ultimate victory on the cross. Because Jesus, prophesying of his own death, said in John chapter 3, verse 14, he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Go ahead and fashion a brazen serpent, Moses. Go ahead and lift it up, Moses. And yes, it will bring healing to the people. But by the way, when you hoist that brazen serpent, you will be pointing the way to the one who put all things under his feet. I want you to know today if God can use the very embodiment of evil, a serpent, and make it a monument to the redemptive power of God, then what makes you think that God cannot take what the enemy meant for evil in your life and turn it to good? You're worried that the enemy's going to take you out. I'm here to tell you that God's about to step in and he is going to do some things in your life He's going to turn that situation around. He's going to work in your life because what the enemy meant for evil, Jesus meant for good. Could it be that that voice of the enemy that's speaking into your mind and that voice that's speaking into your life right now maybe God's going to use that voice to start prophesying your victory. Maybe he's going to use that to propel the ultimate answer that you're looking for. I'm talking about a God that can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it to good. I wish I had a couple of people that believe that today and that you would just clap your hands. You would shout with a voice of triumph to the God that has placed all things under his feet. Clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe it today. I'm not preaching you something I don't believe that I haven't seen in action. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's a situation we're praying about right now. And, it, and it, there's a dimension that, that's, a, that's different than just, just every day, you know, a prayer. That, that we're going against some things in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, he's placed all things under his feet. And in my family and in our life, we're going to see God work. We're going to see him do it. I live what I'm preaching here today is what I'm saying. I believe in the power of my Jesus. I believe in the power of the name of Jesus. So let me encourage you today. There are are three postures we can take to allow Jesus to work in our lives in this fashion. Three postures that we can take. Out of Psalms 110 verse 1, the first one. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. The first posture we can take and allow God to work the miraculous and the victorious in our life. It's pretty easy. Just have a seat. Just have a seat. Now, I know this scripture is prophetic. Jesus used it to confound the Pharisees uh, at one point in his ministry. But let's just take it at face value today. I want to tell you with all of the assurance I can muster and all of the assurance of the Word of God that sometimes all you have to do is take a seat and let God make your enemies your footstool. Amen. Amen. Have you ever tried to fix a situation to the point that you exhausted yourself? Have you ever poured every measure of energy that you have into a situation only to come up to the end of yourself with great frustration? That's the time when when you've done all you can humanly, when you've exhausted yourself emotionally, when you've poured it out before God in prayer. That's the time, as they used to say, You need to just let go and let God. Sitting and letting God work is a posture of surrender. It's faith enough to say, I've done all I can, and I'm going to let God do the rest. Where I feel powerless, we all come to a place where we feel powerless. We've done all we can, and there's nothing left to do. What, What else can we possibly do when we come to that point? It's time to sit And let the one who has all things under his feet make our situation a footstool for us to prop up our feet. Sit here while I make your enemies your footstool, he says. This is also a posture of rest. And that's what we need sometimes when we've exhausted ourselves. Uh, in a fight, uh, a spiritual battle. Sometimes we just need to rest. Jesus said, this is the rest, or rather it says in the book of Acts, this is the rest we're in, I will cause the weary to rest. Now last year I decided, I decided that I needed a nice, comfortable chair at home. I wasn't satisfied with the one I had, the ones I had. I needed a nice chair. It was very important to me that I get a good chair because I needed a place to go and, and sit and drink my coffee and, and ponder the great mysteries of the Word of God, you understand. I, to, a, a place to really uh, to unleash my theological imagination and, and my great intellect on the things of God. This was very important that I do this. So one day, Fair and I were out looking at furniture and what have you, and I found my chair. I found my chair. Uh, it, it just, I just absolutely fell in love with it right there. And I think they have a picture of it for you. Now, it's probably not the chair that you'd put in just anybody's man cave. And it's probably not the chair you'd put in the bunkhouse down at the ranch. But in all of its 1960s mint green color, that's my chair. I like my chair. And, and Farrah hated it. She didn't like it. And she said, we're not getting that. So being the obedient husband that I am, I said, okay, we'll look for something else. Well, she and the kids surprised me a few months later. This was last year at Father's Day. They surprised me with that chair. And I will be the first to admit, you're in a very special place in life when you're excited about a new chair for Father's Day, okay? <laughs> All the other dads in the neighborhood got bass boats and shotguns, and I, I got a mint green chair Just, just, and was excited about it. So, you know... Uh, that's a very special place, very special place. But there was one problem with this chair. It doesn't recline. There's, no, there's not one of those little mechanisms that come up and give you a place to prop your feet. So Farrah said, we got the chair. She said, go ahead, you know, sit in your chair, drink your coffee, hear from God, you know, whatever it is that you think is going to happen here. And she said, I am going to find a footstool. I'm going to find a footstool, so we're going, put it, we're going to put it together and you'll have a place to sit and prop your feet. So a few weeks later, uh, the, the delivery, whoever it was, whichever delivery carrier it was, delivered a nice footstool and uh, it showed up for us and you'll see that right there on the shot. So now I've got my chair and my footstool. So essentially what Pharaoh was telling me, she was saying, just sit right here and, and rest and, and, and have, have a seat. Until we can get until we can get a footstool. All right, that's the word for somebody today. You're in that until time. You've done all you can. You've prayed. You've you've exhausted yourself in prayer. You've sat down. You said, God only wants to do, but the answer hasn't come. Your your, your situation is not under your feet. The the, the footstool, uh, your enemy being a footstool has not come. You're in that until time. You know God can. You believe he will, but until You've prayed about it for a long time, but until. You know he's promised you the miracle, but until. Until he places all things under your feet. You need to rest in the confidence knowing that he's God, he's got it, and it will be done in his time. Oh, you just got to take a posture of rest and say he is going to do it. I just got to be patient for his timing. Oh, I want you to know the word you heard is true. The promise God gave you is true. He will do it in his time. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, a few Wednesday nights ago, several Wednesday nights ago, I I taught a Bible study, and I taught for all of 20 minutes, 20 minutes on a Wednesday night. So I'm going to make up for it today. Is that all right? I will hurry. I promise. There are other times. There's other situations when we need to stand. We need to stand. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness where where sitting is a posture of surrender, standing is a posture of resolve, of refusing to be intimidated, of refusing to back down. Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But when those moments come and we're in the fight of our life and we feel like it's a wrestling match, we feel like it's a boxing match, we feel like it's true uh, warfare, those are the times when we just have to stand. You square your shoulders, you lift your head and you say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You say that I've got the name of Jesus on my life and all power in heaven and earth is given unto that name and nothing can come against me that's going to prosper it's when you say i won't back down i won't quit i won't give up but i've made my stand it's when you say i'm not just going to do something i'm going to stand here hallelujah hallelujah there are two places in the word of god As I hasten, there are two places in the word of God that I can find that God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The first was to the children of Israel and Moses when they crossed the Red Sea. And that was an awesome miracle. But he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he parted that Red Sea. They went out on dry land. But the other part of that is is that the sea came back together and the enemy was annihilated. That's the miracle. They stood still and saw God fight the battle and annihilate the enemy. The second time he said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord is the story we all know of Jehoshaphat when he went up against the army and he said there's no way we can win there's no way we can do this and God said put the singers and the worshipers in front and go to battle and God said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and you know what their enemies were annihilated that time too that's what, what this tells me if there comes a time that you lead with worship but you make your stand and you say I will stand still and see my enemies scattered I will stand still and see the enemy annihilated I will see him neutral in my life because I've got a voice that worship and I've got feet that are standing on the rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last posture is step. This is my favorite one. Now, now it's really walk, really walk, but I needed it to start with an S, so I changed it to step. Deuteronomy 11, 24 and 25. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread. Shall be yours. Did you get that? Every place that the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, from the Euphrates, even on the most part of the sea. And then he says, There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you tread. I just call this the tread and dread scenario right here because every every place you tread God's promised it to you and the dread of you is coming on your enemies i'm just telling you today it's a posture of all things under his feet hey did he not say you shall tread on serpents and scorpions did he not say that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover i'm telling you there comes a time when it's not enough to sit It's not enough to stand, but you just got to claim your territory. You just got to take one step, put one foot in front of the other, and say, I'm taking back what the devil has taken from me. It's time to move forward. It's time to claim some ground. to be what God promised me to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. Stand with me today. Stand with me today. Come on. God's doing something right here. Come on. Let's lift up a shout to the Lord. Let's lift up a shout to the Lord. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It speaks of forward motion. Stepping, walking speaks of forward motion. It's not a retreat. It's not a backing away. It's not not running from our enemy, but it's a claiming of the territory that is rightfully ours. It's taking back what God has promised us and claiming it in our lives. Hallelujah. When, uh, during COVID, one uh, one Tuesday night in our first Tuesday prayer, uh, Pastor led us to a to a, a time of a specific prayer uh, related to the pandemic. And during that time, as the Spirit began to move, I noticed Brother Billy Thornton. He was walking up up and down right here, except he wasn't walking. He and he wasn't even marching. He was stomping. He, I mean, he really Well, He'll tell you. He was, I mean, he was stoned. He was getting after it. And I asked him later, I said, Brother Billy, what in the world was going on? He said, I got to tell you. He said, I got so mad at the devil. He said, I got so mad. Over what this pandemic is doing to God's people. And he said, I just decided to take authority and I began marching. I began treading him underfoot. I began putting him where he belongs. I began putting him under my feet where he belongs. And that's what some of us need to do today. You've been pushed around long enough. The enemy has tried to get you to back up long enough. It's time to stomp on the devil. As I guess it was Bunch and Bree said, somebody said, stomp on the devil. It's time to tread on serpents and scorpions in the spirit, not not in in life, but in the spirit. It's time to take the authority God has given. So this is what I want to ask you today in conclusion as we're prepared here to see God move. Here's what I want to ask you. What does victory sound like to you? What does victory sound like in your life? Does it sound like the sound of chains falling? Does it sound like the doctor's voice saying, we can't explain it, but where you once were sick, now you are perfectly whole? Is it the sound of abundance of rain bringing restoration to an old promise that you thought had grown dry and barren in your life? Or is it the sound of a rushing body wind blowing apostolic salvation through the infilling of the Holy Ghost into your life? Whatever victory sounds like in your life today, I want you to start. I want you to hear it in the ears of the spirit, through your, your spiritual ears. I want you to begin hearing what that victory sounds like. And I'm telling you on the authority of the name of Jesus, that victory's coming to your house today. Victory is coming to your house today. Oh yes, it is. Oh, the word of faith has been preached. The word of faith has been preached, and you got all, all these witnesses here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do now. We've gotten to this point. Now it's taken us almost or a little over an hour to get to this point. We've worshipped. We've praised. The word of faith has been preached. And the temptation is going to be to head on out and get lunch. I know. I'm ready for lunch too. But we've gotten to this point. I would not let this moment pass me by. If I had a need in my life, I would not let this atmosphere of faith pass me by. So if you got a need, if you've got something you want God to do, come on down. Come on down. And let's let God do a miraculous work. The, 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 the moment is right. Come on, the presence of God is here. The, the stage has been set, and God is going to do something. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on with victory. Come on with faith. Come on with power. Right now, right now. Come on, come on. If you've got a need, I'd come on down right now. Come on, let's pray with faith. Come on, let's speak it into existence in Jesus' name. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, healing has come to this house today. Victory has come to this victory. house today. Come on, the name of Jesus is here. Power is
1: here. Hallelujah. The power Hallelujah. Come on. In Jesus'
4: name. Come on, don't let this go. Moment... down,